Welcome to the Walking on Eggshells with Dr. Tolu podcast. This is the podcast that helps parents and especially those caring for a child with a chronic health condition to balance supporting your child's mental health with maintaining your own emotional health. Hello there, this is Dr. Tolu Alugo from St. John Cap where we empower youth mental health by providing education to parents and caregivers. We're also very passionate about helping parents who um, look after a child with a chronic health condition to manage their emotions. So today we have a special guest. Her name is Dr. Lola Ashai. I'm going to get her to introduce herself in further detail and then we'll start our conversation. Thank you very, very much, Dr. Lola, for joining us today. Should I call you Dr. Lola or Dr. Ashai? What do you prefer? Either one is fine. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Dr. Tolu. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. And um, I'm Lola Shai, as um, Dr. Tolu mentioned. I'm a family medicine and lifestyle medicine doctor and owner of In Touch Primary Care in Sugarland, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston, where we help people become and stay healthy so they're empowered to live out their dreams. And I'm really passionate about health prevention and I'm excited to talk about, you know, whatever you'll have me say today. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. So um, in the last few years, there's just been this um, talk about lifestyle medicine. I mean, when I was studying in medical school, it wasn't even a thing. So now it's always been spoken about. And I'm wondering, what is lifestyle medicine? What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So lifestyle medicine is a, it's a, way of approaching healthcare is a, is a different way of approaching healthcare where you're primarily looking at lifestyle ways to prevent and treat um, chronic illnesses. So instead of, you know, being the first stop being medication, the first stop is lifestyle medicine. And I think that has always been part of medicine. That has always been the foundation. But I think there is now evidence showing how powerful it is in terms of even reversing conditions like diabetes, high blood pressure, and um, high cholesterol, and things that we traditionally will, you know, do some lifestyle and then, you know, add medication on top of. Now we're finding that with just lifestyle medicine, people can actually reverse serious health conditions. And so that's, you know, as we have more evidence to support this using whole food plant-based eating patterns, using physical activity, managing stress, um, managing sleep properly, um, social connections and avoiding risky substances, doing all these things together can be a very powerful way of treating and preventing serious health conditions. So that's kind of um, lifestyle medicine in a nutshell. Right. You're right. I mean, even when I was in med school, they would would talk about lifestyle changes. I know my mom was very big into walking, but it was just not really um, appreciated or respected. People just always felt "Mm, those are just like common sensical things. (laughs) But that's, you know, people would just want to go to the doctor for medication and believe that that was the answer to everything. So I'm wondering what sparked your interest in lifestyle medicine? What made you decide that this was something you wanted to get involved in? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been passionate about health prevention. And I think it started when I was in medical school and I went to a school where that was very focused on specialty care. 
and they trained a lot of us in that way. But I just saw a lot of things very late because of that. So I saw disease um, present very late. And I saw how difficult it was for people, you know, at that time. And it always made me think, even as a med student, like, hmm, what could have been done before we got here? So I was always in that mode, like, what happened? Why are we here now? You know, so residency really made a big impact when I had a patient in residency that had um, diabetes. And, you know, in residency programs, a lot of the patients come to the same place for years. So you get that privilege of seeing them, you know, through the, the lens of so many different physicians that they've seen over the years. And now she was, I could see her whole history. And when I looked at her history, it just dawned on me how simple it was to have reversed the diabetes. Now here we were, we're here we were, she had um, heart disease, kidney disease, um, she could barely see. Um, she was in a lot of pain from nerve pain. She was always in and out of the hospital. And every time I saw her in the office, because I'll see her in the office and I'll see her when she's admitted, she will always be like, I wish I listened. I wish I listened. This doctor told me, you know, I needed to do this. I didn't take it seriously. And she was always expressing regret. And so she, her, her story just really impacted me. And I was like, you know what? We, I felt like, yes, she had a part to play there, obviously, but there was probably more that we could have done too. So it always made me feel like, you know, how can we prevent health conditions? Because when it gets to that point, it's just so sad because it's not just about her, it's about her whole family is affected, her business is affected, her whole life, everybody around her is affected by her illness. And so I just you know, it made me very passionate. So when lifestyle medicine, you know, when I heard about it and I saw how well it fit into preventative care, it was like a no brainer. It was like, this is exactly what we need, you know, and the truth is a lot of people are tired of taking medication. You know, they want, you know, they, every time you give them one medication, you know, then you're giving them another one to counteract the side effect of the one that they're taking. So they're tired of it. So if they can see that there is a, a path to improving their um, their status without, you know, in a in a much safer way, in a way that actually gives them more energy, makes them feel better, not makes them feel bad. You know, they're more likely to engage in that process. And so that's when I found out about it. I was, you know, super excited about it. And since then, I've been trying to, you know, incorporate it as much as possible in in, in treatment of my patients. Wow, that is such a powerful story. I wish I listened. And I see so many people now as well in my own day-to-day -day life who maybe are struggling with high blood pressure, diabetes. And then you can really look back at their lives and realize that maybe in their 40s or 30s, they could have made other choices. And now mm -hmm. they're in their 70s and they're really struggling with their physical health. So I, I really that really resonates with me. But you know, you do know I'm a psychiatrist. So I'm wondering, is there a link between our lifestyle and our mental health? Is there any link there? Yes, absolutely. And um, with our lifestyle, I think people underestimate the our mental, how, how important mental health is. Because the truth of the matter is without a strong uh, or healthy mental 
being healthy mentally is really difficult to do all anything that we're talking about. <laughs> so mental health is, is so important. And that's in lifestyle medicine, actually, that's one of the first things that we try to talk about, you know, their readiness, their confidence level, their mental health, because the truth is, if you don't have a good, you're not healthy mentally, anything else that we're trying to do to help you get healthy is going to be even more difficult. So mental health is like, you know, foundational, honestly, with anything we do with health. Exactly. And vice versa. So, I mean, when people come to see me, I always say the first thing to start with is, are you getting enough sleep? Are you exercising? What's your diet like? So and sometimes just making those little changes is enough to change their mental health where they then don't have to go on medication or continue to see a specialist just because they've made little changes to their to their everyday lives. Um, so now I, I assume that you see kids as well as adults in your practice. Yeah. yeah. So how, how do you incorporate lifestyle medicine into the life of a child? Because I'm a child psychiatrist, so I'm really, <laughs> you know, going to go about the children. Yes. Well, the children actually, I think, are easier because parents love their kids, most parents, and they would do whatever it takes to try to get their kids to conform. It's when it comes to them, <laughs> it's a little harder. So if you tell, you know, a parent that this is what your kid needs, a lot of times the parent will follow through with that. And that helps, you know, kids are still flexible. But I think a lot of it too with kids is just, you know, they tend to be actually more receptive, but trying to find what they like, you know, meeting them where they are. So, you know, talking to them about, okay, um, if you say, do you like vegetables? Obviously, they're going to say no, but <laughs> many of them. But if you say, you know, if you say the vegetables out, like, oh, do you like carrots by any chance? Do you like the, you know, like find out what they actually like and just say, guess what? You can eat it every day if you want, you know, and they're excited. Oh, really? Because they like it. So they, they don't mind. And then trying to, when you talk about physical activity, putting it in, you know, a sport or oh, what sport do you like to play or what activity do you like? Do you like this? Do you like that? So I do a lot of finding out what they already like to do and then just really encouraging that and helping them see that, you know, don't make it a chore or another thing they have to do. And really very being very careful about not body shaming because you don't want them to feel, you know, that there's something wrong with them. You just want them to let them understand it's about healthy eating, healthy lifestyle, being healthy, feeling good, not about, you know, you don't want them to get a complex about how they look or, you know, that sort of thing. So that that's typically my approach, trying to find out what they like and really, really encouraging them to do as much of that as possible. I really like that approach of give, of being specific because, you know, I think kids have this um almost like a peer pressure thing or identification of, oh, I don't like any vegetables. But in right. actual fact, there are some that they like. <laughs> so I like that, the, that, that, um, that um, strategy of being specific and asking about different kinds of foods and even exercise as well. So for, for a parent that feels as if, okay, I want to begin to, you know, lead, lead a healthier lifestyle, with my children, what kind of changes can they begin to implement? How, where can they start from? Yeah, so a big part of what I do too is I encourage people not to start with taking things away because when you start there, it already feels restrictive. 
you know. So I always start with adding. So we talk about, oh, okay, so we've identified the vegetables you like. We've identified the fruits you like. Let's add that to your diet every day or every other day or three times a week and not putting it a pressure, not putting pressure on them. Let them decide how often they, they really realistically think they can do it. And so we focus, that's where we will start. Okay, what do you like and what, how can we add it as much as possible to your diet, to your lifestyle? What do you like doing? Do you like walking? How can we add that for five minutes every day or every other day or three times a week or twice a week? We just start where we are. And how can we do that consistently until we get to the point where we can do it more and more? So I think when people see that it doesn't have to be, you know, one hour in the gym, <laughs> it, it makes it easier for them to want to do. Or if with sleep, it's like, okay, what time do you go to bed? Oh, you go to bed at midnight? Okay, let's make it 1145 just for the next one month. Let's see how we can do it. And when they see, oh, yeah, I feel a little better. Okay, can we do 1130 now? So slowly trying to help them make those changes when you're very specific about what the goals are, helping them. A lot of times my patients will write it down. We both sign it, <laughs> you know, and say, okay, here's your copy, put it on your wall. This is, you know, where, so it's something that they're very aware that this is our goal for this month. And so they're much more likely to meet it. And I think with a parent, when you show that example, the kids over time see the example of, oh, we're eating dinner. Oh, where's the vegetable? After a while, they just, they are asking because they're used to it. Oh, what, where's the vegetable we're eating with our dinner tonight? It's, you know, what vegetable are we eating? So once you show that example over time, so slowly they too start to, you know, see that, start to do the things they they see you do. So it's important as a parent, if you're trying to help your kid be healthy we also have to, you know, practice those healthy lifestyle um, practices too. I, I think that's great. I think involving them in some like meal planning, if they're old enough, helping out in the kitchen may also be a yes. ways of, and I, I like your idea of, you know, doing it a little bit at a time because people just get overwhelmed with, I have to do 30 minutes three times a week. And you're thinking, I can't even walk for 10 minutes. Right. And people start, they get tired and they just give up. You know, yeah. so I think that's that's important that you know you can really start wherever you are, and gradually begin to build it up. Yeah, so, I um, I want to add actually I have a patient that we started with literally just put on your tennis shoes every morning. Like you don't <laughs> you don't even have to just put it on and walk to the. She had uh, um, what's that thing called? She had some kind of machine that she was she had just gotten, and mm -hmm. I said just put it on and then went, put it on and stand there for like two minutes. And then slowly over time, because it's, it's your brain, it's a habit thing. Your brain starts to say, oh, I need to, you know, do a little bit more. And before you know it, you find yourself doing more and more and more. So it's just really doing, starting, doesn't matter where you are, you can start somewhere and just take baby steps. Exactly. And, and I always tell parents, make exercise fun, because if, if it becomes like a mandated sport, I mean, sports are great, it's good to be an organized sport if, you, if your kids can do it, but right. if it becomes mandated, or they're particularly anxious or self-conscious, then or it just becomes a chore. But if it's a fun thing, like dancing, we dance, for example, you know, different games, or whatever it is that will be fun for the kids, that they'll be they're more likely to continue with it. 
and to you know to to enjoy it and they stick with it. Um, so I'm wondering, at what point does a parent need to get worried if they at what what points in their child's physical health do they need to think? Okay, I need to make changes now. What would what would be the signs that they would see? Yeah. So um, I think it's important that children see their doctor regularly. And, you know, thankfully, because of the school system in a lot of our countries here, they, it, that, that happens. And so hopefully the doctor is also looking at the child and identifying, you know, things about the child that need to be addressed sooner or later. But yes, absolutely. There, are, there is a point where, let's say you're trying all these things and the child isn't, you know, nothing doesn't seem to be working or the child is not responsive to it then you want to definitely involve your doctor at that time. Or um, if it, they're showing physical signs like, you know, signs of diabetes, which could be going to the bathroom too often to urinate, which could be um, signs of insulin resistance where they have darkening around their neck, um, that can be concerning. Or um, if they have, um, they're thirsty all the time, that can be concerning. So there are certain things, but really that because there are so many things <laughs> that you to look out for the best thing will be make sure you're taking your child in for their yearly physical at the minimum and um, if you do see anything that seems out of the ordinary you should bring that to the attention of your doctor but because there's so much in health you know it could be something about how they're developing that could be abnormal that's hard to know if you didn't know what was normal so it's always just make sure the child is being evaluated every year at the minimum and then hopefully you, you or your doctor can can keep an eye on the child and for adults as well how often should they get themselves checked out you know so that they, they yeah. can catch things quickly or make, make amends quickly yeah, with adults, a little easier because hopefully by now you know when <laughs> you don't feel well. But definitely still, adults should be seeing their doctor once a year. And um, I've been very surprised by, you know, I see, I hear a lot of people say that they're healthy and um, so they don't have a doctor. And I've been surprised many times with very healthy looking people who have very abnormal um tests or exams. So, <laughs> you know, don't assume anything. Like I've seen a 30-year-old with atrial fibrillation. I've seen somebody else in the 30s with very, very high cholesterol. I mean, I've seen so many people that, you know, on the outside or very high blood pressure and they feel completely fine. You look at them, are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. And they have, wow. you know, abnormalities. So, it's so important not to delay your care. And um, I think even I talk to doctors a lot now too, because I find we are as guilty and, you know, because training, you're so busy, you don't get that. Um, we don't have that culture, especially during our training, right? We're so busy with medical school, the residency that's like seven to 10 years or 12 years of training. And so when we come out, sometimes we just don't even have that culture of seeing our own primary doctor. And so, you know, even for myself, after like a number of years ago, I had to like, you have to go to the doctor. So I go to my doctor every year, make sure I get my labs, do all my preventative screenings and everything too. So important. That is so important. Like where, where we're based, where I'm based right now, we have a real dearth, a real lack of family physicians. Mm -hmm. So people end up, 
you know, on a wait list for years to see a family doctor. But I know that the way you practice is, is I mean, you're, obviously you're in the US, it's different. But then again, the way you practice is again different. Talk to me about your practice and how that is different from the norm that we're used to. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a direct primary care practice, which is a membership practice. And um, because of that, I have a lot more time with my patients to really spend time and find out what is happening and address their concerns in a very detailed and thorough way. And so that's why I had the opportunity to do lifestyle medicine, education, you know, talk with them, learn, get to know them well. So um, with direct primary care, it's a model of care basically where um, it's um, the patient becomes a member of the practice, like a gym membership. And that gives them direct access to the doctor. We can call, text, email us directly. We have video visits. And so because it's such a more personal way of um, they have easy access to us and we can spend all that time with them, there's a personal relationship and um, they can we can really address their concerns and prevent serious health conditions. In the traditional care system, things are very rushed. And um, <laughs> people are in and out. They don't get that time with the doctor. Um, and so sometimes it, patients gets frust get frustrated because they cannot get their questions answered in that model. So this model, you know, I really, really feel like it, it, it helps patients um, address their concerns in a much better way. That sounds like a very patient-centered um, approach. And I think also would help with early intervention, early detection of you know, difficulties. I think that's really a fantastic model. We don't have it here in Canada. So but, you know, if we did, we definitely want to go for. Um, so before I let you go, I'm just wondering, if somebody listening to this podcast they feel, or, and they feel like um, their lifestyle is not the way it should be, what, what can they do? I mean, how can they get help? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is trying to make sure you have the right information, you know, because one of the things that now a lot of people, there's information everywhere. And um, unfortunately, some of the sources are not great or the information is completely wrong. So it's important that, um, you know, when you are trying starting off, you you are getting your information from the right source because you don't you don't want to start doing all those things and then it's not working. You get frustrated and that further reduces your confidence in the the, the in what what could work, but because you don't know how to go about it, <laughs> it's not working for you, right? So I think finding the right information, which can be you know. There are a lot of doctors now on online and stuff. You can follow us on YouTube, on um, social media, all of that kind of stuff to find good information. If you have a good doctor, go ask them. Find out more about them and find out more about Make sure your questions are answered. Don't just, you know, Google something and, and do it. Really make sure that your source is accurate. And then um, once you have the right information and you keep... Um, feeding yourself the right information, there, there'll be many, um, it, you have practical steps to, you know, you can find out what to do next. But I think it starts with, you know, having the right information and then hopefully finding the right person that can help you through the process in, in some cases. But I think information is powerful. So it needs to start there. 
you mentioned you know, finding the right information. I know you have a website and then you're also on social media. I'm just trying to make sure I have it here on the banner. So at In Touch Primary on Facebook, on Instagram, and then it's In Touch Primary Care on YouTube. Am I right? That's right. Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to edit my, my banner here so to make sure <laughs> I have the right information. Um, so if you guys are looking for any information, just go to any of these um, you know, places, YouTube, Facebook, In Touch Primary Care on YouTube, um, in touch primary on Instagram and Facebook and also on the website and you can get information and if you're in the Houston area you know you should um, check out Dr. Lola because she would help you to get your lifestyle on track <laughs> and get you the help that you need to make yourself really healthy so before I let you go do you have any final words of advice for us um, for our audience yeah, no, just want to say thank you to you, Dr. Tolu. And um, I know that you have a practice over there helping children um, and parents that um, to um, be healthy mentally as well, which, like I said, is a big first step. And um, so, you know, just wanted to say thank you for having me. And I know your, your patients are lucky to have you. Thank you very much for coming. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we can chat again soon because I'm obviously our, our two areas um, <laughs> of specialty really interact a lot. So really we'll have a lot more to talk about. Thank you very much. And um, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Looking forward to having you join me on the next episode. Till then, don't forget to share this with your friends and neighbours and to follow me on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube where I am known as St. John Cap. That is St. John Cap with a double P. See you soon.